Hello and welcome to the Raw, our Sunland podcast, brought to you by the Sunland Echo team. Uh, I've got no idea what episode number this is. James, are you keeping track? Oh, I've got a clue. Um, Richard Minet here, and I'm joined by James Copley and soon to be Phil Smith as we reflect on another busy week at Sunland AFC. We're recording this at the University of Sunland ahead of Phil Parkinson's press conference this lunchtime. As ever, there is plenty to discuss, so let's get cracking. Kick off then with the, the brilliance of the Wickham win last weekend. Um, Sunderland running out 4-0 winners. Could easily have been double figures and I don't think there would have been too many complaints. Um, Sunderland 3-0 up after 20 minutes or so. Had plenty of other further chances as well in what was a brilliant display and followed up the excellent 45 minutes against Lincoln City the week before. Um, so that makes Sunderland now six games unbeaten. Um, back-to-back wins at the time they were up to six in the playoffs they've just dropped out given Burton's midweek win over MK Dons who still under course play away this weekend um, but generally on the pitch things are looking pretty rosy would you say Phil after a good couple of weeks it's I guess whether they can now sustain that yeah very good I think when you've um, when you've performed over a period of four or five games rather than just two or three then it begins to become a trend rather than an outlier <clears throat> Sorry, and when you do it against Wickham Wanderers, you know, top of the table, even if they have been in a poor run of form, then you you start. I think actually this is this is something that maybe someone can produce more consistently, and it's the way they're they're hurting teams in the same way they're creating good chances, and they're beginning to really impose a style on opposition teams that they're struggling to deal with, and that's what's really exciting about it. It's not the odd set piece goal or anything like that. They've got patterns of play now that that the opposition are really struggling with, and that's that's really exciting. And, gives you a little bit of hope although we won't get too carried away that it's something they can replicate over a long period of time and they really blew Lincoln away in the first half spell and they did the same didn't they with with Wickham last weekend so much so that they had to change their tactics after half an hour and bring Akinfenner off the bench to try and get some kind of foothold or focal point in the team but that didn't really have a huge effect did it on the way Sunderland played they just kept kept going and going and going no they had they had complete control of the pitch complete control of the ball and that's really good to see. I think a big shift maybe in recent weeks is you don't feel like the opposition are able to turn up at the stadium light and just kind of try and sit in. Mm. Sunderland have now got a style in a way that um, even if you sit in from deep, they're getting Maguire and Gooch in those areas around the box where they can get shots off. Denver Hume can hurt teams running from deep. And of course, we've seen John Willis as well, this kind of overlapping centre-back phenomenons reach the stadium light, and, and that was just <laughs> another way. But what's really good to see is that's just another way of of opening up a, a defence that sits deep and you know we all know what Wickham wanted to do they wanted to come to the stadium alike um, defend deep when they get set pieces fire it in the box get bodies forward that way and because Sunderland was, was so effective at, at playing from deep areas it, it made it impossible for them to do that so yeah um, if, if that's something they can take into the next however many games before the end of the season then I suspect what you'll probably see is very few games where someone draw at home um, and, that's a, and that's a big thing uh, James how impressed have you been with the, the turnaround in recent weeks and not just the results but I guess the, the style of play and the performance which I don't think anybody saw coming maybe in Phil Parkinson <laughs> no, after the Boxing Day draw it's absolutely credit to uh, to Phil Parkinson as well because a lo- well a large section of the fan base were, were calling for his head and the results were terrible performances were terrible 
Boxing Day performance against Bolton wasn't very good. And credit where credit's due, he's, he's turned it round. And other than um, top of the table, Rotherham, Sunderland are the form team, um, unbeaten in six. And they're, go, they're going really well. And I suppose it just shows that um, managers need time to implement the style. And, and you, you're seeing now with um, the appointment of Nick Allenby, the fitness specialist, that uh, Sunderland are looking a lot fitter. And that's a. a wasn't a problem under Jack Ross. Nobody saw it as a problem, but it, they just seemed to have taken it to that next level. level yeah. yeah. So and, and and that's really helped. And, and what's pleasing for me as well is that under Jack Ross, Sunderland would often start very slow, maybe go a goal down, um, fight to win the game back, and now we're, we're blowing teams away in the first half, the first thirty minutes of games. I think it's uh, it's really positive. A lot of obviously been said about the likes of Gooch and Maguire in recent weeks, but I just wanted to kind of touch on a couple of unsung heroes of, of recent weeks. If you guys agree, you guys agreed, um, the likes of Alan Mozturk, George Dobson, Charlie White to a degree, although he's obviously got a fair bit of press, and John McLaughlin at the back seems to be back to his best. What's your view on that quartet, Phil? And yeah, really good. I think um, I think John McLaughlin is is looking very settled again. Looks very composed and assured of himself. Um, I think that to be fair. You know, it's easy to say he didn't have a huge amount to do at the weekend, and that's true. But his the way he dealt with set pieces was was really really good. Yeah. Um, you know, Wickham didn't have they had a couple of early chances, but generally speaking, didn't cause too much of a threat from those positions. So that was a huge credit to him. And uh, yeah, Aleem and George are certainly two who are going from strength to strength. I think Aleem's someone whose game has probably been um, simplified significantly by the switch to a back three. Yeah. He seems to be the one who it's very clear that you know he's not expected to run forward. He's not expected to be particularly adventurous on the ball. I think he is capable of doing that, but it's clear that Phil Pattinson is, is, is giving him that role of keeping things very simple, being that stable presence, being that kind of physical presence, if you like, to deal with opposition strikers. And it's it's Jordan Willis and, to a lesser extent, Tom Flanagan or Joel Lynch who, who were asked to kind of contribute to other phases of play. So Aleem's kind of taking on that role really um, selflessly and is doing it well and, and George Jobson as you'd probably expect is someone who's a young player but someone who's finding his feet on a much bigger stage than he's used to and what we're seeing now is what Jack Ross had kind of seen in him in energy to get all about the pitch and not only contribute in forward areas but kind of help on the threat of the counter from the opposition he can get back and make challenges he's he's not afraid to, to make a kind of tactical foul if you like if that's what the situation calls for and and some understand see the benefit of that, but for, to be fair, all the players are just benefiting from seemingly having a really good understanding of what their role is and, and having a confidence in the structure they've got to to make things happen. Uh, obviously, Sunderland have um, brought in Kyle Lafferty so far this January window, um, looking to make obviously a few more signs before the 31st. And that strength and depth is important, isn't it? Because as much as Phil Parkinson settled on his starting 11 slash 12, 13 players. Um, those that aren't in the team, do you think they can easily fit into the system, or do you think that someone need to be bringing in different types of players? What they've already got? Yeah, I think that's kind of the name of the game of the window. I think probably a month ago we'd have been looking at it saying he kind of needs four or five first team regulars to come in and hit the ground run straight away. It doesn't really feel like that anymore. Yeah, but you know, it, it's for all the for the most part things have been really good recently. It's clear to us all from the outside that there's a a number of players there who probably don't really fit the shape and structure at the moment. Will Grigg certainly doesn't seem to. Mark McNulty could play off the striker, so I don't think his career is necessarily kind of done here yet, but certainly he's, he's not particularly high at the pecking order. Colin McLaughlin, realistically, I don't think he's going to be able to play as the kind of attacking wing-back that's something no. that's for at the moment. So I think the window has gone from transforming the team a little bit to can we make sure that if we have an injury or a suspension or whatever to a key player in the system, 
have we got someone who can come in and we don't have to change what we do I think that's probably what we're now going to start to see and obviously Kyle Affleck already through the door is, is an obvious he's cover for Charlie White he's someone who will suddenly didn't probably need another striker in terms of what they've got but they needed somebody who can replicate what Charlie White's been doing whether Lafferty is that person only time will tell but mm. I think that's the logic behind it and we'll probably see that kind of thinking in other positions all over the park and the feeling is that Lafferty it was going to be Lafferty or Medine um, obviously they've signed Lafferty on a short term deal at the end of the season um, Phil Parkinson stressed that the, at the moment they weren't looking at Medine but I suppose you feel that if he doesn't have a club in a couple of weeks and Sunderland still feel like they need another striker and somebody who can score goals and he may be somebody that could still revisit Yeah I, th- I don't think it makes any sense to ro- rule it out completely um, You know, Phil Parkinson wants another forward as, as we've written quite a lot in, in the Echo um, I think his preference is for someone with a, probably a little bit more versatility so that's why as everyone knows Liam Boyce is a kind of a leading target if you like but ultimately he knows that Medine's a player who can, he can get a tune out of who can score goals so it makes no sense to rule it out entirely um, because if in a couple of weeks things haven't gone your way you might be looking at it and saying well Gary Medine's still available on a free yeah. and that's a good option for us so I think that explains why he kind of didn't completely rule it out but certainly the sense that we had and the understanding we had was that Medine might have been someone he turned to <coughs> had for whatever reason Kyle Lafferty taken one of the other offers that were on the table for him but ultimately he didn't do that uh, Boyce of course uh, scored again midweek I think it was at 16th of the season um, yeah. out of contract in the summer um, I suppose his goals in the last week or so we wouldn't have thought would add too much to his value given given he's only got six months on but um be interesting to see and Nigel Clough hinted that um, what did he say post-match that he, he thought they'd be on his Way played his last game, played possibly, his last game yeah, something like that, yeah. So we'll see on that one. Um, Semenyo, um, no fresh movement on that. Seems to be a heck of a lot of interest from uh, a lot of League One clubs in him. Um, so we shall see what happens with him. And another one, new name, Greg Dockery last night. Um, on the last 24 hours or so, Rangers midfielder had a loan spell at Shrewsbury last season. And Stephen Gerrard's been speaking this morning. We're recording this on Thursday at the University of Sunderland. And he said, I think Greg has a real strong loan, had a really strong loan at Shrewsbury. This is a player we respect really much due to his effort, but unfortunately it hasn't happened this season and the best thing for his career is to go and play. Um, so encouragement there for, for Sunderland. Um, Charlton have also been been linked with him. He type of play would certainly fit into this system. Yeah, I think he was, play. He, he was a he was a um he did have a really good year at Shrewsbury last year. Um I think it was very, very high in terms of chances created and assists, mainly because of his set-piece threat, um, which, to be fair, is probably something that isn't a major issue for Sunderland at the moment because Chris Maguire seems to be doing reasonably well on that front. But that is another tool in his armoury, and it was certainly kind of the main thing I think he stood out for last year. But he certainly seems to be a player with a bit of an engine who can get about the pitch. And that's obviously really important for the role that, that Phil Parkinson's asking in the centre midfield, as with St George Dobson and, to a slightly lesser extent, Max Power doing that. So it's certainly someone who fits the bill and... The fact that he's available on a kind of a short-term deal is is, is obviously a, obviously a benefit as well. Would you like to see him, see him arrive at the stadium right, um, James? Yeah, I think uh, he impressed out on loan last season. He was voted Shrewsbury's Player of the Year, I believe. Um, Fifty appearances in all competitions and chimed in with ten goals, which for a 23-year-old, having not played <clears throat> a lot of regular football for about three seasons, really, when he joined Rangers. Um, I think that's um, that's impressive that uh, such a young man can go into a, a competitive league like League One and, and make an impact. With um, just on, on Lafferty, then obviously his uh, signing was unveiled earlier this week at the club. Um, what, what do we make of his his arrival? Um, 
just on a short-term deal, so relatively risk-free. He's not committed to a longer-term deal at the club. Uh, obviously, has a wealth of experience, mixed mixed sort of goal record, and obviously fitness might be a potential issue to start with. Since he hasn't played since the early part of December, but he was in at the academy light on Saturday morning um, for his first session, having signed on Friday evening. Um, I suppose he could be part of the squad. He returned to training this week um, with Elliot Embleton as well, which is which is good news. Um, Kyle Lafferty, Phil, what, how do you? You see him as covered, you think? For yeah, like I think currently, so. I mean, I think it's a, you know, it, it is a little bit odd in, in in some ways in terms of the fact that he probably hasn't got that much fitness um, and what have you, and he isn't a particularly prolific goal scorer generally in his career. So it, it, it seems a little bit strange. I think the impression I get it's just a little bit of a hunch from from the manager that um, he feels as if he's a player who's kind of looks like someone who relishes being on a slightly bigger stage, playing for a bigger club. It seems to find an extra kind of five ten percent from him. Um, there's also the carrot that Northern Ireland obviously you've got two huge um, Euro 2020 playoff yeah. games in March potentially obviously therefore a tournament in the summer as well so I think he maybe just feels that that's a great incentive for Lafferty to get in the team and, and make an impact um, so I, I, yeah I, I think in isolation it's, it, it is does seem like a slightly odd signing um, and I suppose it will be kind of judged by what happens next if you go and get someone like Liam Boyce with that record at this level and suddenly Lafferty just seems like a good option as cover if you end the window and you've lost a striker or, or what have you and you've only got Lafferty then you, you might be a little bit concerned so it's a signing that we'll probably only be able to judge properly in a couple of weeks time when we see exactly where he's going to fit into the squad but yeah I think the best way to describe it is maybe just a little bit of a kind of a hunch that the man managers had that, that maybe he can, he can coax something out of Lafferty both because of um, this, the size of the club that he might relish playing for and also this real incentive he's got to come somewhere and, and get and fight his way in and make an impact It's obviously the 16th of, of January as we record this um, still 14-15 days of the transfer window to go um, I guess some fans might be a little twitchy that they've only signed one player so far given some other clubs seem to act quite quickly but the January window is always a tricky one isn't it especially if you're dealing with loan signings in terms of the clubs that are lending them out um, are often waiting to get there piece of the jigsaw in place as well aren't they so it can be quite a frustrating and you've got to be patient this month yeah I think so there doesn't seem to be any I, ideally I'm sure Sunderland would like to have done their business earlier and we would have all certainly enjoyed that if they'd managed um, to do so I think that what I would say is that from speaking to the manager in recent weeks and what have you he hasn't seemed overly concerned yeah. um, sometimes you kind of get an impression from a manager that they're, they're getting a little bit restless that they feel that things aren't progressing the way they should be and that they're not where they should be at for now the manager seems pretty relaxed that the work's being done that needs to be done that there's a genuine attempt to go and get his targets and there's a good chance to get them so while I completely get and, and sympathise w- with the fact that you would have liked someone to have been moving earlier I don't get that concern that I maybe had in the summer around the start of June that someone weren't where they needed to be Yeah. Um, obviously the, 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 there's a difference between having your targets and getting them over the line and that's the big question that we all wait for and and I'm sure the manager as well will be eager to ensure that those in charge of taking the deals forward get it done. But there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of concern behind the scenes that, that maybe they're not where they're at. And, and, you know, managers are pretty easy to read when it comes to transfer windows. You can tell if something's not right at the moment. Phil Pattinson seems relatively relaxed. So hopefully we can take some comfort from that and, and hope that it's not a different different story in 10 days, two weeks' time. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see where we are then. Um, and obviously... Um I forgot what I was going to say. Oh yeah, the league form has obviously helped paint a much brighter picture at Sunderland as well, hasn't it? And certainly in terms of the league table and them being a much more attractive 
club for potential signs to come because a few weeks back they were what 15th and it was looking very bleak now yeah. 7th um, that Wickham win has obviously cut the gap to the to them who were former leaders rather than now leading the table and there's every chance that automatic promotion is back in sun and sights if they have a good couple of weeks in the in the window and keep up the form yeah very much so I think realistically when you're club sun and sides you're always going to have players who want to come um, you, you know you're, I don't think you're ever likely to kind of straight a blank if you like yeah. um, but having said that it, it certainly helps teams will be players will be looking if for example you are someone like Greg Doherty who has two or three options if, if you're watching highlights of Sunderland pick apart Wickham in front of 30,000 it's only going to kind of edge you towards that towards that I think um, it it takes the pressure off a little bit in terms of recruitment um, in terms of suddenly we don't have three or four kind of massive issues in the team where you think my god if we don't go out and get someone in January we're going to be in and a major issue, but what you do, what I'm sure we're really sure as supporters, it doesn't seem like there's a complacency. I think everyone understands they still need to make improvements if they're going to sustain it over a longer period of time. And certainly, the targets we're looking at, it's it's all about getting, as we discussed before, it's about getting that cover for Phil Parkinson in these key positions. And, and if we see that, then it gives you that concern that you're not one or two injuries away from losing yeah. your shape and your structure. I think that's the big thing now. Um, and, and hopefully we'll see that taken forward. And David Jones, the uh, new non-executive director at Sunderland, he's been speaking this week, hasn't he? He was speaking very highly of manager Phil Parkinson after he met with him. I think, did he say he travelled up the day after he was appointed? He was keen to get into the academy and yeah, we spoke to him. meet Remember? people. Of course, yeah, sorry. Exclusive. Yeah, ex-exclusive, sorry. Um, yeah, you obviously spoke to him the spoke day after. Spoke to me before Phil Parkinson, so he's got yeah, his yeah, he's right. Right, he's right, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he reminded us this week that he travelled <laughs> up to the North East to meet Phil and Phil Parkinson. And um, and that was obviously important for him to do, and he he was hugely impressed, wasn't he, by the manager? And he says that Sunderland are still far from done this window, which obviously Sunderland fans would want to hear anyway. But he strikes me as yeah. he's not the kind of guy that's going to say that if that's not the case. No, I think um, it, it's been nice to for, for David to be to be up and speaking. I think when he first took the job, it was I don't think there's any. He was very candid and, and very open in admitting that it had been a little bit of a whirlwind. It yeah. wasn't something that was two months in the planning. Um, Sunderland were in a bit of a rut as we all remember and um, there were a lot of questions about what kind of voices around the club and, and what help the chairman was getting and David Jones was pretty honest in saying it was a bit of a it was a quick thing you know that fell at his door and he decided to leap at it yeah those first couple of weeks weren't easy it was around the Christmas time he was starting to balance things out with his job which as we all know takes up a huge amount of his time um, and so I think it, realistically he, he probably felt uncomfortable being a bit of a, a face if you like and being out there while yeah. he was still getting his head around things but you know, whatever happens with the sale of the club um, or anything like that, it, it can't possibly be a bad thing to have such an intelligent person, someone who loves the club so much, um, kind of at the heart and, and asking the right questions and, and making sure those interests are at least being considered. And we've seen that from speaking to him this week. It was interesting um, when you mentioned those comments about Phil Parkinson because when he first came into the club, you know, we, we had all had our own opinions on the sacking of Jack Ross or what have you. What did strike us all at first was the conviction Phil Parkinson had about what it took to get out of this league. Yeah, the issue we had for such a long time is that that wasn't translating onto the pitch. We yeah. weren't seeing, the, seeing those things that we were talking about. We have started to see that of late. We started to see that intensity in the running and that off the ball. We started to see them creating chances. We started to see them getting the best out of not all players. Players like Will Greig, who we who we said he would get more out of, yeah. he hasn't been able to. But certainly a lot of players he has. Charlie White being one of them, obviously. Um, and so that's kind of been, I think, a good thing for everyone because Phil Panzer sport well when he came in and about what was needed in the league and what have you. 
it was just that it wasn't then going out onto the pitch. In recent weeks, we've started to see that, and that will that will help Parnson behind the scenes because the players, yeah, the board, recruitment team will be looking at it and going, actually, yeah, this is a, this is a plan that, that that can produce results, and so that'll be a big boost for him. Um, and so, yeah, we, it's it's nice to kind of see that plan coming into action. Um, just a word on a, a couple of players whose futures are very much up in the air. Um, Aidan McGeady remains at, at Sunderland, um, still training away from the first team squad at the Academy of Light. Um, time's obviously ticking in terms of the window, but um, he's he's at the stage where he's going to be desperate, isn't he, to get get out and get some first team football somewhere between now and the end of the season. Um, obviously, Phil Parkinson's future at the club looks fairly secure at the minute, so there is zero chance of him being brought back into the fold. Um, and also, Will Grigg as well, interest from Swindon Town. Their manager was um, not denying his interest this week. Um, obviously, a League Two club. Um, Sunderland, you would think, will be unwilling, or that certainly wouldn't be their first move to loan them to a League One rival. Certainly, anyone in the kind of top half of the table pushing for a playoff promotion spot as well. Um, Will Grigg's wages are likely to clearly play a huge part in, in that decision do you expect both of those to leave this window or uh, it's, it's an interesting question um, McGeady you would surely think that someone somewhere is going to reach the end of the window and say we're in a bit of a yeah. bit of a rut we haven't got our targets or whatever why don't we take a chance on on this guy who we know has got an awful lot of quality um, so I would expect him I would I have to say I would expect him to leave but nothing's certain and to be fair you know we've said all along from day one when the manager made this decision player is in a strong position mm-hmm. he's still got 18 months on a very good contract his family's in the area so it's not a foregone conclusion that it'll go um, and it'll be Sunderland's issue if they don't find a, a, a new home for him because yeah. like I say McGeady you know, is a contracted player who's who's done nothing to infringe that if you like so it'll be interesting to see how that develops but you do you do strongly suspect someone somewhere will say hang on could we do with just getting a little bit more flair in our squad Will Griggs a, a, a much much more complicated one because if he leaves the club, it's going to be a really, you know, let's not kind of beat around the bush. It's going to be a really bad moment for the chairman. Um, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. going to lose, you know, he's going to lose a lot of face. However, he does it. Realistically, I can't see him leaving in a permanent deal because nobody's going to come close to the three yeah. million with add-ons that Sunderland spent last year. Are they willing to take such a massive loss twelve months down the line? I suspect not. Are any of the clubs who would want Will Greg able to spend that kind of fee? I suspect not. So then that moves you into the loan market, which, as you've just mentioned, brings its own issues because if you loan... OK, so Will Griggs in bad form at the moment, but I don't think anyone would say he's incapable of going to another club, having a fresh start and banging in out on nine goals. Yeah, sounds like that would happen, wouldn't it? If he does that at Blackpool, yeah. then you might f- be finishing seventh and Blackpool in sixth and you're yeah. one of your most expensive players <laughs> and one of your highest earners has just fired your promotion rival yeah. at your expense. So that would be a very, very, very difficult deal to yeah. to justify. So I, there is a part of me that wonders will the easiest solution once the new strikers come in, will the easiest solution just be to get Matty's wage off the bill? Because obviously, as long as him and Reading agree, and mm. um, he can go back to Reading. So, but also that would probably happen to have to happen sooner rather than later because Reading aren't going to take him back unless they know they've got a new home for him. Yeah, they're not going to take that wage on unless they know they can move on quickly. So it'll be interesting to see how those pieces um, kind of all fall into place. Um, but Grigg is a, a very, very difficult one to to work out. Um, and, you know, uh, Phil Parkinson's quite rightly had a huge amount of praise, but one thing we have to say is he hasn't been able to make much of an impact there, and, and that's probably been 
I would imagine one of his personal more kind of bigger disappointments. Because Greg hasn't played a minute, has he? Hasn't come off the subs bench in the last Black five Black. five yeah, games. Yeah, so that was the sixteenth of December, I think. And Mark McNutley is ahead of him in the queue. Yeah. Um. So there's that to kind of weigh up as well. He obviously came on as a sub the other day in the win over Wickham. Um. Good news this week to see Elliot Embleton back training. Um. Or back amongst the first team squad. He's obviously sort of been running and on the grass at the academy like for a while but good to see some pictures of him with the rest of the first team squad um sure we're getting up this afternoon on his and others fitness but um looks like he'll be closing in on a return at some point and he hasn't had a huge impact as he due to injuries at first team level so he'd be one that you could class as almost feeling like a bit of a new signing this season and ethan robson as well remains at the club um and it'll be interesting to see what they do with him, uh, especially this weekend. If he doesn't play again this weekend, then he still has the option of going out to another club, doesn't he? But if he does feature against MK Dons, then it's either Sunderland or Grimsby for the rest of the season. Um, some big calls for Phil to make. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, I think the Greg Doherty signs. Uh, if that happens, it, you know, it's clear what he'll bring to the side and his um, his his kind of his skill set and what have you. So, in that sense, you'd be really pleased to see that happen. There is kind of that. Always a little bit of a shame you, you loan in somebody else, else's player and you're potentially blocking the pathway for one of your own. And it would be a shame if Ethan Magazay goes back on loan without having a real opportunity. But the manager seems to be taking his time and sort of looking at him on the train and pitch and making sure he knows what he wants to do with him. Um, and the manager was re- has been full of praise for Ethan. I think everyone knows he's got kind of good technical abilities, he's nice on the ball and can pass it. I know that he's he's made a good impression on the manager in terms of his running stats and training and kind of those physical capabilities. I think he's probably surprised Phil Partinson a little bit with, with how capable he is of doing that. So that gives him a chance of fighting his way in. Um, but ultimately, if, if another central midfielder comes in, you know he's going to be fourth choice and he's not going to get a lot of minutes. And with yeah. his contract up in the summer, that's not a great situation to be in. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting if they do add another midfielder, which seems like they're attempting to do and looks like they will do, then it's going to be really... Interesting to see what see what happens with Robson and, and hopefully Greg Doherty is a, a massive success. But it would be it would be a sadness for me to loan in another player and develop them at the, at the expense of one of Sunderland's. But sometimes that's the game, particularly when there's such a short-term focus on results. Unfortunately, uh, just a quick one off the pitch. Um, sale of the club obviously remains ongoing. Um, no major updates to bring you on that score this week. Uh, I'll just urge you to go to the Sunderland Echo website to read um, our interview with Kieran Maguire football finance expert on kind of his his view on the valuation of the club um, and a bit of detail in terms of what would be happening behind the scenes in terms of the process and the time scale and it seems like a month or two would be a realistic option in terms of a takeover so we'll have news on that as and when it breaks uh, and just finally back on the pitch MK Dons away um, I've never been to MK Stadium have you? Stadium MK I'm have not. you? No. So it'll be a treat for me and Phil this weekend um, MK Dons down I think in ooh, 19th Playing a lot better though, I think um, yeah. the results have been much improved since Russell Martin take, took over. They lost to Burton Album the other night, but I think Nigel Clough as ever was pretty honest and, and kind of admitted that MK Dons had, had, had caused them a lot of problems if we get some their recent results up. I think they've had some, some decent wins over the last kind of month. Um, let's have a look what we got. Drew with Coventry, um, beat Bristol Rovers 3-0 and beat Portsmouth 3-1. So mm. that tells you that they've got they're, they're in a bit of a decent groove. Especially at home. Especially, especially wins, at yeah. home. Um, so Russell Martin doing a re- really impressive job there um, and playing some good stuff by all accounts. Suddenly they're in a position where if they keep playing the way they have been, I don't think any team in League One can last them over 90 minutes. That's the challenge. Can you go away and do it? 
and it, it's it's really nice. It feels a little bit of a banal comment, but it is nice to be looking forward to a game on Saturday. You're going mm. with the team in good form, suddenly taking over 4,000 fans by all accounts, so you know the backing is going to be absolutely outstanding. It's going to feel like a home game. It's going to create a real atmosphere. It's just nice to have that feeling of, yeah, let's, you know, can't wait for Saturday to come round and go and watch Sunderland. Um, the players and the manager deserve deserve a lot of credit for bringing that about, and the fans also deserve it because I think we would all acknowledge that Doncaster game has been a real catalyst. Yeah. Part of that because of the players were excellent and they had a great structure from the manager, but partly because of the way the fans were that day and they, they really did drive them on. So it's nice to have that sense of even if people quite rightly have concerns about the direction of the club and what have you, and, and, and we all acknowledge that. It's, it's just nice to feel quite good about Sunderland and, and be looking at a game on Saturday and thinking, yeah, I'm looking forward to going and, and seeing how they have a crack at this rather than maybe kind of being a little bit uh, <laughs> a little bit anxious, which is maybe where yeah. we were not so long ago. And so. it's, it's a busy couple of weeks, isn't it, with that Tramway game, which scheduled for the, the two... Sorry, Doncaster on the Friday and then Tramway at the minute... The, Schedule for the Tuesday. We've already booked our hotels, so if Tommy could get knocked out of the FA Come Cup, on, that would be great. Uh, and then obviously Pompey away at the end of the end of the month or start of the new month. So a busy few weeks on and off the pitch. Thank you, Phil, for your time. Um, that brings to an end another raw podcast. Head to the Sun and Echo website for full details on how to listen, subscribe. Um, please feel please feel free to give it a like, subscribe, and rate as well. Any feedback or questions for the team, please tweet them to at SunEchoSEFC. Our thanks as ever to the University of Sunland, and we'll be back next week with more transfer news, plus all the build-up to the Friday night clash with Doncaster Rovers. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Rock.